lovely that uh, through this all we can uh, we've got everything we need to navigate uh, tricky and challenging seasons. I was reflecting on that this week in terms of what I'm grateful for. Just so grateful we have his word that enables us to really understand the big story of what's going on in our world at the moment and uh, to shape our worldview. Uh, we have the presence of God with us. Hallelujah. And we have the community, community of saints that we are tracking with that are endeavoring to live as the new humanity under the rule and reign of God uh, now. And so thank you, Lord, you know, that we've got everything that we need. But it is tricky. It's tough. This is a desert time. It's a disorientating time. But beautifully, God does his deepest work in these times. This is the time where God uh, will form in us if we let him something very deep. Um, it's during the tough times, the desert times, that God does his deepest work. And we are all about formation here at Bay Vineyard. What does it look like to work with God on the process of sanctification so that we don't live the same every year, but actually every year we grow a little bit more like Jesus in the way that we live our lives. And so we're going to change, obviously, our series. We were doing a series, a lovely series on the Holy Spirit. Um, and I look forward to, get to gathering together in person, hopefully not too far away, where we continue just to do what churches do to minister and encourage one another. Um, but while we're online, I want to just uh, spend some time I'm looking at what are some of the things I believe that the Lord's wanting to shape and form within us. And we'll do that for a couple of weeks and then we're going to take a journey towards Easter together. Uh, we are in the season in the church calendar of Lent. Uh, if you aren't engaged with that, can I encourage you to do that? It's not too late to do so. Uh, Lent is a time of repentance. It's a time of reflection. It's a time where we recognize that Jesus went into the desert before he went into uh, his ministry. And we kind of want to partner with Jesus in that desert time experience, but also with a view of the cross coming as we track towards Easter. It's a time of fasting, not feasting. It's a a time of deep reflection and um, I'm fasting alcohol this Lent, Jen's fasting cheese which is if you know her a huge sacrifice um, and I love the church calendar, I love that this is a deeper time, it's a time to uh, reflect and to engage as we track towards Easter uh, which seems congruent with what's going on now because there's two things I think that um, I believe uh, the Lord wants to teach us at the moment, shape within us that uh, tricky things to learn unless you're in times of difficulty and stress and pressure and that's to learn to lament well and grieve well to grieve our losses well and to grieve what's happening in the world well but also uh, to rest well so those are the two things I want to look at this morning um, it's obviously a time we, we, we should be lamenting the state of the world um, what's happening in, UK, in the Ukraine is tragic and, uh, and is well worthy of deep lament. This is not the way the world's meant to be. Uh, you know, one million refugees and counting, it's tragic. And the danger in our constant negative news cycle is that we can lose perspective around certain things. But this is truly tragic and uh, is an invitation for us to lament and to grieve. And what happened this week on uh, Parliament grounds is, is heartbreaking and it's tragic. And we should feel deep sadness uh, about what we witness there, no matter what your views are. That was uh, a t uh, that is 
something to, to, to lament and to grieve. And what's interesting when we get into the space is that um, when we begin to grieve what's happening in the wider space around us, the grief that we carry for losses in our life will often piggyback on that grief. And sometimes we may even feel that we're grieving or feeling emotions disproportionate to what we're even witnessing. I remember, you know, watching some, you know, emotional ad on TV and just feeling overwhelmed. And it was, and actually what's happening is that this unprocessed grief in our own life will piggyback on the, the uh, grief that we feel on other uh, things happening around us. Because grief comes because of loss and because we love what we've lost. And it's grief isn't just what we experience when someone that we love dies, though of course we feel grief then. But grief is, is felt around any loss of something we love. Uh, sadly, at the moment within families or friendships, many relationships or friendships are really strained or are broken and lost. Uh, we can grieve a stage of life that we find ourselves in. Ah, oh, this has changed. My kids have grown up or I've had kids or, you know, there's a stage of life that's, that's changed. There's some grief there. We can grieve the maybe the loss of a job or the loss of our health. You know, outwardly we may be being renewed, but out, outwardly we're wasting away. Sorry, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So as our body wears out, there can be a sense of grief uh, or, or of a dream that didn't come to pass. Like that grief needs to come out. It needs to be expressed because if it doesn't, we become very numb as people and we lose our our capacity to stay connected to others and to love really well. Um, and so uh, Rich Velotis writes this, that lamenting is the spiritually mature response to sadness and sorrow. Our spiritual aliveness is not found in our ability to suppress our sadness. Our spiritual aliveness is found in our ability to bring it to God. It's very true that we all want to be alive spiritually. Uh, and actually, as we go to into the deep waters of grief, we actually find life a great a, 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 and sometimes even joy in that place. But it's healthy for it to be expressed, even though it's not easy. And the Bible helps us with this. It models this brilliantly. Two thirds of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Uh, the, there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. And um, my friend Frank Ritchie this week wrote some reflections on uh, on Lamentations. Um, that I found incredibly helpful. And this next part is just me regurgitating his email around this. Um, he, he's a real Bible geek, so he points out that it is a, the, the Book of Lamentations is fascinating. It's five different uh, poems. Um, and how the poems are structured, one and two and four and five, um, are divided into 22 verses each, and the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters, and so they follow the Hebrew alphabet. The architecture, the structure of Lamentations is, is incredible. And then the middle uh, one poem, chapter 3 in our Bibles, consists of 66 verses or three sets of 22, uh, all expressing this deep grief of what's going on. The prophet Jeremiah most likely wrote these poems following the devastation of Jerusalem at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar in AD 56, 567, uh, 500, sorry, 596 and 97 BC. The author's pouring out his grief and anguish and remorse. And what we're witnessing in the Ukraine right now is kind of like, um, is like an echo or a reflection of what Jeremiah is experiencing. It gives us an idea of what Jeremiah was going through. And it's gut-wrenching stuff. It's so painful. You can't overstate the sense of grief and pain. But in the middle of this incredibly healthy and 
brutal outpouring of very real grief. The, Jeremiah does something in the middle, slap bang in the middle of all of this uh, lamenting that is really beautiful. He says in Lamentations chapter 3, 21 onwards, But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And Frank notes that, you know, in the midst of all this uh, outpouring of, of grief and lament, it's a really startling injection of hope and perspective. It goes back out of that into to heavy lament and cries for mercy. But there's like a reprieve in the middle of all of this and re remembering God's goodness. Frank writes this, it's an act of rebellion against the tempting nihilism that encroaches when devastation seems overwhelming. That is so, I, I resonate with that, with all that's happening in the world right now. Uh, this defiant shift of attention towards the nature of God and the hope that we have in, in him. And the Psalms of Lament do this all the time. The Psalms effectively will begin by just expressing their feelings. I feel this anguish or grief or anger, sadness, frustration. Uh, they'll express that, but then they will, they will say, but I know this is who you are, God, but this is true of who you are. And it's this deeper acknowledgement of a, uh, of a, sorry, it's a deliberate acknowledgement of a deeper, more lasting reality than the pain that is immediately before us and as we choose to go to God and pour out our, our laments it keeps hope alive and stops the darkness closing in and overwhelming us it's actually outworking what Paul says in Romans 12 of being transformed by the renewing of our mind of choosing to put our hope and trust in God it's it's having it's this place of uh, really of a, a reprieve from being overwhelmed as we look to the one who is in the highest place. And so I think God wants to teach us and form within us a healthy sense of lamentation and grief at this time, to journal with him, to sit with him, to not medicate our grief, but to process our grief with Jesus and to, uh, to, to have our eyes firmly fixed on him as we pour out our heart before him. And as we do that, he meets us and ministers to us his love and he brings perspective. This is why the scriptures are so beautiful that what we are in is temporary. This is not the way the world's meant to be. And therefore we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that future reality I want to see break into the present. But I have a hope in that future reality. Well, this is what's called eschatology. I have a hope that God will, Jesus will return in glory and heaven and earth will be re reunited and the world will be the way it's meant to be. But until that time, we as the church and we as people are called to bring that hope into the present, to call to be kingdom people living under the rule and reign of Jesus now in preparation for living under the rule and reign of Jesus in their age to come. And so lament, we process, we grieve, we feel it. This is healthy. This is biblical. And I believe the Lord wants to shape within us um, a, a new capacity to, to grieve with maturity, to lament with maturity and that will help us to come alive in Him in new ways. But also to rest as we do that, to rest in Him, to find a refuge for the Lord 
I believe he wants to shape in us the, the maturity to lament and grieve well, but also he wants to form and shape within us a greater capacity and obedience in following his way, his pace, his life. Because friends, this stuff is exhausting. Like what we're going through is actually exhausting. It's truly exhausting, right? I mean, I don't know what your profession is uh, and how all of this stuff is affecting your profession. I just know in my profession as a pastor, um, it's exhausting. And people are calling it a day left, right, and center. Just this last week, two pastors in another movement uh, I've got friends in uh, have called it a day. Um, another person I know, a pastor in Christchurch, is on extended leave. I mean, this stuff is exhausting. And I'm sure that it's the same in your profession. And so rest and learning to rest well is um, an enormous opportunity for us at this time. Like God can shape something in us really deep that we learn how to rest well, how to have a pace that reflects his desire for our pace. Uh, and if we can do that, then we have the opportunity of coming through this again with great maturity, being formed into Christ likeness. And if we choose not to do this and just kind of do our own thing, then it will have consequences. Uh, yesterday was my day to rest. I'm filming this on a Saturday. Yesterday was Friday and I woke up um, a bit overwhelmed with my to-do list because we'd pivoted online quite late, had to rejig uh, what we were going to be speaking to uh, and organize all sorts of stuff. Woke up pretty uh, like a bit, bit tired, but also a little bit overwhelmed with what I have to do still. And uh, everything in me was like, I can't take today off. This is crazy. I've got too much to do, but I'm feeling really weary. And I was lying in my bed after dropping the boys off to school, just going, oh, what do I do today? And I felt God very clearly say to me, no, stop, rest, let me love you. Honor the holy day that is your Sabbath rest. Be still before me. And uh, and I did that. And I'm so glad I did that. Uh, because as I did it, he just began speaking to me about the importance of rest, of what, uh, of how central it is to his heart that we come to him and that we rest well. And, uh, you know, all this stuff became coming back to me as I obeyed him and, and rested, uh, and which is where this part of the sermon came out of, actually. You know, at the beginning of the Bible, it's the theme of rest starts from Genesis 1, that God rests. John Mark Comer in his book, Garden City, says this, God rested. The God who didn't need sleep or a day off or a holiday, who doesn't get tired or worn down or grouchy, who is without parallel to any other being in the universe, rested. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I want you to remember that we are made in his image. We are made to mirror and mimic what God is like to the world. God works, so we work. God rests, so we rest. We are made in the image of a God who rests. It's hardwired into our DNA. And it's our brokenness that sees us keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, when Moses was feeling a bit overwhelmed, like they got to the, they got out of Egypt and they're at Sinai, the Mount Sinai. And he's like, how can I lead these people, God? And he's pleading to the Lord in Exodus 33. And God says to him this, this is how you'll do it. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What an incredible promise 
and pressure and 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 uh, complexity as he leads the Israelite people. I will, my presence will be with you, and I will give you rest. Jesus comes and lives this. He lives out the Sabbath rhythm of his culture, but then pushes back against the religious weight it had become. Again, there's no religious weight on this. It's an invitation to to learn to live a life in line with how we are hardwired. So Jesus lives this, and is like, man, Sabbath is there to serve you. You're not there to bow down to it. And and he's modeling this. He's withdrawing to lonely places to rest, to grieve, to process. He says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and uh, sorry, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, this is, this is such a stunning invitation of Jesus to come and learn from him. This is the only time he talks about what his heart is like. And he says, I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. This is what God is like. And you will find rest for your souls. I, I know many times in my life, I've had moments of just real exhaustion and real fatigue and, and flirted with burnout and flirted with depression overwhelming me because of just how long I've been overcooking it. And in those moments, God is, is shouting to us, come to me and learn how to rest. C.S. Lewis said that God whispers, us, whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience and shouts in our pains. And I, I have no doubt that God, for, for many of us, is shouting right now, slow down, come to me, learn how to rest, learn how to work through the brokenness. Let me let you let me heal you from the brokenness that has seen the pace of your life been so uh, intense. And friends, like when I began to engage, particularly with the Sabbath idea of Sabbath, and we've got a whole module on this, and I'm going to link an article in, in the description of this that just speaks again to the overview of what Sabbath is all about. But it's the trickiest spiritual discipline to outwork in our lives, but it's also the clearest in the scriptures. It's crystal clear, but it's tricky because we're like the slaves in Egypt. We're making bricks and our whole identity is caught up in our production and how busy we are and, and we all of that stuff. And tragically, sometimes we can be building the kingdom, the, the kingdom of God, the world's way, not the king's way, which again leads to brokenness in our souls and, and our relationships around us and all sorts of stuff. And I had to go to counseling to work out why am I so addicted to, to why is it so hard for me to stop? What's, and there was so much healing that needed to take, to take place. Uh, this theologian Marva Dawn wrote in a book around the Sabbath. She said, the, the movement from ceasing to resting is the movement from idolatry to faith. First, we discover all the deception and falsehood of the securities offered by the world. And with repentance, we cease to trust them. This includes especially all our efforts to make our own way to save ourselves. We then learn that God has done all the work of redemption for us and that he continues to work through us. And we learn by faith to rest in his grace. Sabbath is that day. It's like that day of like, oh, you are in control. You are in charge. In my case, it's like this is your church, not mine. Uh, and we learn to, um, to delight ourselves in the Lord and to just be his children 
who uh, we were loved not because of what we produce which is what our culture celebrates and but it's like we're, we're just we're loved because he's our father and he loves us because he loves us because he loves us and so there's been so much healing that we have to work through to actually rest well and God is there inviting us come to me and learn how to rest deal with um, the victim mindset that I had anyway they said oh, I'm just I cannot slow down and stop because of all the stuff that's in my diary and on my plate and the Holy Spirit just began to lead me into places of courage where I could begin to disappoint people, which was the big issue in my heart, and actually to have boundaries that honoured uh, the, 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 what I needed to be carrying. I was in the kitchen making sandwiches Jesus didn't ask me to make. And he was saying, come into the lounge and sit with me and learn to be with me. Sometimes we have to deal with the expectations. Uh, I've got friends of mine that have had to work through this where, where they have the expectations of their parents in their head still, even though they're adults. Uh, there's so many things that often uh, the Lord will gently expose as we come to places of exhaustion. It's like, you know what? No, I want to heal that so that you can learn to rest. Uh, it's not easy, but we can do this. We can come into uh, a rhythm within our weeks where we learn how to rest well. Um, but also I, I would ask uh, or contend that one of the things that we need to rest from is the amount of online engagement that we have with all that's going on with the news feeds and social media feeds. Um, I fasted social media and news last week and it was just um, a lovely, lovely uh, time where my soul was, was so refreshed. It exposed my addiction <laughs> again because what we don't have is we don't have a connection issue. We have an addiction issue to all of this stuff. And a bunch of the boys in our church did this in our upper click uh, crew. Um, but this again is a place like, Lord, speak to me about how much I should be online Good question. How much I should be? In, how often should I read the news, Lord? How often should I be on social media, Lord? It's a good question to ask Him because often we want to be healed from the sense of weariness, but we don't like what it requires for us to walk into places where we find rest and healing. Lord, help us. Help us to walk, work through the brokenness that's in our lives and the exhaustion that we're carrying and to actually uh, make decisions that see us learn how to, to rest well. Uh, because again, I don't want to be formed by culture and I don't want to be formed by the defaults there. I want to be formed by uh, the voice of Jesus, the way of Jesus, the, the life of Jesus, the example of Jesus. That's where the life is. Um, and just one little thing as I come into land, um, I've seen often when we get into busy and overwhelmed seasons that we can say, oh, this is just a season. And one of the tactics of the enemy that we have to be very careful of uh, is that that season turns into lifestyle. Because there are indeed times, seasons that are very pressured and we need grace to get through them. We see this in the life of Jesus from time to time, but they're the exception, the rare exception, they're not the rule. And sometimes I think we can say it's just a season and then the next is another season and then it's another season and we never ever live out the rhythms of grace, the rhythms of life, the, the pace of Jesus, the Sabbath rest stuff, because that season has turned actually into a lifestyle. And what do we mean by that? We've actually been formed by the external pressures, not by the, the example of Jesus and the, and the words of Jesus that we see. Uh, and so now Jesus is inviting us at this time to come and to learn to rest and to grieve and to process with him. And so, friends, uh, I sense this is some of the stuff the Lord is um, is inviting us to. And if that resonates with you, um, then I'd love just to pray as we finish 
that God would um, lead us into places, healthy places, of, like mature places of grieving and lamenting, and that we would um, take a step back from the pace of our life and all that's on our plate and just say, Lord, would you speak to me about how I should be living week to week? And friends, I know this from experience. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It will lead to a richer life, a flourishing soul. You will come more alive as you walk in obedience to the invitation of Jesus to live in his way. As Eugene Peterson said, the unforced rhythms of grace were invited to live in that way. And so it's not easy, but it's worth it. And every single thing that Jesus calls us to is motivated by love and will lead us to life. And so uh, let's as a church allow God to form us in this time that's very tricky and challenging so that we come out of this time, as it says in, in the, at the end of Song of Solomon's, coming out of the desert, leaning on our lover. Let's come, we're going to be a little bit broken coming out. We're going to walk with the limp. That's fine. His power is made perfect in weakness. That's a good place to be. But I want to come out of this season, not munted, but I want to, I want to come out of this desert time leaning on my lover, leaning on the Lord, more in love with him, and having walked into greater wholeness and healing as he does this deep work of, of formation in this time of pressure and, uh, and pain.